Greetings and thanks for tuning in to the Moran Park Podcast. This is a digital space for conversations, teachings, stories, and resources, all of which are meant to help us follow Jesus together. A reminder that these resources are available on Moran Park's website, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Just search Moran Park Church and you're there. Grace and peace. Well, good morning. How are y'all? You look good. It's good to be back. I was on vacay for a little bit, and someone said this to me. They reminded me of this before I left, and it's, it's proved to be really true. Is there's, when I have kids my age, right, my boys are 10, 8, and 5, there's a difference between a vacation and a trip, right? <laughs> I went on a trip. It was a good trip, but it was a trip. And... Uh, I'm still so sore this morning. My back hurts. My shoulders hurt. Um, Because at that age, all my kids want is just like throw them in the pool, right? And they think you have unlimited strength and energy, which of course I do, right? Uh, But man, oh man, I, uh, I, we got home last night and Michelle goes, hey, just a reminder, remember you lose an hour tonight too. I'm like, okay, okay. Yay, all right. uh, Praise God for the strength of the Holy Spirit, right? So it's good, it's good to be back with you. Um, a couple of announcements before we dive in. And the first one is, um, I, if you, you probably heard this, but we are opening children's ministry this morning, um, kindergarten on down. And so um, just so you're aware of that, we're starting there. We're going to reevaluate. If you, it's on your heart, do you want to help with those kids? Um, you, I think you can sign up during, at the check-in station as well. Uh, another one is tomorrow night, that would be Monday night, there's a worship night. And this is really cool how this came about. A couple weeks ago, we were just talking about like the different ministries God's given us and how do we walk in the things God is calling and inviting each one of us into. And there's some Grand Valley students that are like, hey, we want to put on a worship night. Uh, we're like, okay, awesome. And so they put on a whole thing. It got people to lead worship and putting it all together. That's tomorrow night. But I totally forgot what time it is. Seven. Right here, 7 o'clock. And at first, they're like, yeah, hey, we want to do it for Grand Valley students because, you know, everything's pretty locked down. And so um, we want to do that. And they're like, no, 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 no. Let's do it for Hope students too, right? And then they're like, eh, let's do it for whoever wants to come. <laughs> so you want to come? You want to bring someone? Whatever, come. It'll be fun. It's just a time of, of worshiping here together tonight. Um, and, and the thing I'm really encouraged by, I think it's going to be awesome, but the thing I'm really encouraged by, it's simply uh, an example of people walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit. The Lord's stirring something on their heart, and they're, they're doing it. Uh, and they're putting it on. Um, so, praise God for that. Thanks, guys, for doing that. That'll be awesome. Um, okay, last, I think this is the last but not least announcement for this morning, is um, with masks, just a reminder, is this section over here is uh, you don't have to wear a mask. Balcony, we ask that you wear a mask all the time. And in this main section, we ask that you just wear a mask when you're out and about and up and down and all around. Um, but when you're in your seat, if you want to take a mask off and you're comfortable doing that, do it. If you want to keep it on, keep it on. That's cool too. All right? Questions? You guys are easy. All right. Okay, let's get in the word. Mark 7. I just remind you, um, we've been talking about what it means to be part of the family of God, and each week has been, been pretty intentional about building on, uh, building on each other. And so if you've missed any of those, uh, hopefully what I'm sharing this morning will make sense, but a lot more of the backstory and the foundation 
uh, will probably make more sense if you go back and listen to some of those from the previous weeks. But um, sounds like I made, missed a great week of testimonies and, and time together in worship. And thanks to Jim Liskey for sharing the word with us last week. I was really encouraged by what God put on his heart to share uh, as well. This morning we're going to dive into Mark chapter 7 and continue to talk about what does it mean to be the family of God together as the church. What are the things that God's calling Moran Park into? What, is it, what does it look like? So let's read that and let's talk about it. All right, Mark 7, we're going to do 1 through 13 this morning. And this is what it says. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, the him here is referring to Jesus, okay? Now when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples, that's Jesus' disciples, ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Um, and by the way, wouldn't a dining couch be nice? That's a great way to eat, in my opinion. Lounging and eating, I mean, that's a tangent, but something to consider nonetheless. Okay, verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy, what, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition, so that you have a tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. All right, Jesus is talking to this group of very religious folks, but he's not just talking about their actions. He's talking about the actions of a lot of the religious folks, the Jews of that day. And he's making a distinction between the commandments of God and the traditions of men. And I think oftentimes tradition gets, um, it gets railed as like a terrible thing, right? Like, oh, traditions, uh, traditions are terrible. I mean, we have all kinds of traditions in our life, right? Think about what you do for family celebrations or Christmas or um, even the routine you do of when you get up in the morning for the first time, right? Like, there's this stupid tradition, my brother and I, my brother and I are, uh, I'll tell you how old I am, because um, that's the first question I get asked here oftentimes. Um, I'm thir- I just turned 38 last week, and um, in case you can't tell by the gray, there's a couple grays right in there, right? And this family vacation I just got back from with my brother, he's my twin, looks nothing like me, um, way smarter, way better looking he is, and uh, since we were kids, we'd go to the same place, 
And when we were kids, we would save up our money and we would dump quarters in the arcade at the place and just play these shooting games, right? We didn't play a ton of video games growing up, but we would just dump quarter after quarter after quarter in there, right, and play these games. For some reason, we've equated that to being a necessity of a family vacation together now. So at 38 years old, I, Liz, I never play video games. At 38 years old, I'm just dumping quarter after quarter after quarter, right? Last week together, two players shooting games. And why? I don't even like video games. But something about that just tradition and that reminiscing of our past. And it always starts to talk, remember we used to do this when we were kids? It's just like there's something about tradition that's fun, right? You get together with the family, you reminisce of this, you do it a certain way. Tradition in and of itself isn't bad. And so when I talk about tradition this morning, I'm not trying to rail on uh, every tradition is a terrible thing, it's awful, it's no good. But I think what Jesus is talking about here is, is a few things. And one is saying when you just do these particular traditions out of a rote habit of doing it, but your heart isn't uh, in it, then that's a bad thing. And, and that's not the thing I actually want to talk about this morning, right? They, they have this tradition, what they're doing, of they would go to the marketplace and other places, and they, they would go, and in case they touch unclean things, they'd come back and they'd do this ceremonial washing so that they wouldn't be unclean, but they would make themselves clean. And Jesus is railing, like, it's not just about the external stuff, it's about the heart, and, and that's true, and that's not the part I want to talk about this morning, because, it, in fact, I think part of Moran's story and history, and, and you guys are a group of people that you're not just really concerned about the external things. You are people that love Jesus like crazy. And I, I tell you, for years, people will come and visit Moran, they're like, man, there's some things that are kind of weird, but at the end of the day, that group of people loves Jesus. That's awesome. And so I don't, I don't want to spend time on that. What I do want to spend time on is this idea of where we get confused traditions of men with the commands of God. Because the commands of God are the what. You know, what God wants of us, what we're supposed to do. The traditions of men often become the how we do it. And sometimes, uh, inadvertently, we actually equate those things. So it's, the tradition becomes just as important as the command of God. How we do it. This is how we're supposed to do it. We got to do it this way. This is what God wants. But really, how we do it can change versus the what we do doesn't change because God's commands are unchanging. Make sense? Right? And so I think he's getting at the, the, the fact here with these people. Like, no, it's, it's a good thing that you want to be set apart. It's a good thing that you want to be, you know, pure before the Lord. But don't equate that this is the way it has to be done. Right? Um, the other thing I think he's getting at here is not just when we equate the two, the, the command of God equaling the, the tradition of men. I, I think the other thing that we, we have a tendency to do is actually make the traditions of men more important than the commands of God. And so, you, you see this here, he's saying, listen, you've got this command of God, this clear command of honor your mother and father, and you guys have made up all these traditions about giving your money away here and there that is excusing you from operating in the clear command of God to honor your mother and father. And that was the problem. It's like, well, I can't care for my mom and dad as they get old. I can't take care of them with the finances they need because, well, I've given my money away to God. Sorry, mom and dad, you're on your own. And he's saying, guys, based on your tradition, you're clearly uh, excusing the command of God to honor your mother and father. So what does this mean for us here at Moran? I think the thing that I've been realizing so much lately is we often don't think that we are people at Moran Park that are stuck in tradition. But what I wonder is, do we actually just hold on to different sets of traditions than others? 
Again, I'm not saying tradition's a bad thing. I think tradition can be a very good thing if it's properly understood as a way to do things, but not the way to do things. I mean, I think even, okay, let's think about this. I think even the way that the assumptions we have, the traditions we hold on to, play into what we expect takes place when we gather together as brothers and sisters at 10 a.m. in this building, in this space, on Sunday mornings. Think about it. What are the things that you expect to take place when you gather here? Typically, we've narrowed it down to two predominant things. Teaching of the word and worship. Don't get me wrong. Those are awesome. But what ends up happening is we start equating how those things happen based on our tradition rather than what the word says. So we think in order for it to be a teaching, there's this assumption that says we need a 30-minute monologue given by an ordained person that went to a special school to be able to have the credentials, to be able to ha have the right to know what the Bible says, and then to come back after he spent time with God and give it to you, right? Maybe we wouldn't say it that bluntly, but it's typically what we have made it to be. And I'm not saying there's not a place for a teaching in this method. If I didn't think it was an okay thing, I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to disobey the Lord. But a lot of this is we don't understand is we have hundreds of years of tradition that we've equated to saying this is what the Bible says, but it's not what the Bible says. It's, it's a tradition that's been established by man as one way, and not a bad way, one way to accomplish what God wants is the teaching the word. And we see this that's been birthed out of the time of the Great Reformation, right? Um, is it called the Great Reformation or just the Reformation? No, the Great Reformation is something different, sorry. The Reformation. The Reformation where guys like Luther and Calvin and John Knox and other people did a lot of great things of saying people need the Bible in their own language. People need to hear the word in their own language. They need to know the word. And they began to put an importance on teaching the word through someone that knew the word of, of expounding on it to a group of people. And that was a really good thing. But now what has happened is we've made that a tradition and we said if teaching doesn't happen by a gifted, ordained person in a 30-minute monologue, then it's not church. And hear me. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. But I think what the Lord is saying, God is asking us to unbox our traditions and say, God, you want us to teach the word. How do you want to teach the word? Another one I think is like, and listen, I'm not trying to dog tradition. It's been a good thing. But when you hold on to it and hold on to it and not even open your hands and say, God, how do you want to do it differently? How do you want to accomplish it for our day, for our generation, for our time to impact people of our day to see your kingdom expand? I think that's where the problem comes. Because I think sometimes we even have this expectation like, man, it, it wasn't a good church service unless there was an altar call, unless people came down and, and gave their lives to the Lord. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It is awesome when people give their lives to the Lord. But we don't often understand that comes back from the great revivalists of, of Finney, great revivalists of D.L. Moody, where that became the method that God wanted to use in those days for people to come forward and give their lives to the Lord, where they come up called an altar call. But remind you, there's no mention of the altar in the New Testament in a church setting, right? Um, but we'd come forward to give our lives to the Lord. And that was a good thing for that particular season. But when we hold on to that, we have these expectations. Church needs to look like X, Y, or Z. And I think what the Lord's asking of us here at Moran is to say, he wants us to take out of the box what we've put in it. 
of the Lord wanting to reshape and reform what his church looks like and what it looks like when we gather together. Uh, again, not dogging the past, but to say, might there be other ways that the Lord has for us to live into what it means to be the family of God together for this day, for this season, a way that empowers his church to actually go out and be the church. So I think that the pattern that you see in Scripture is this, this one where we've been talking about family a lot the past couple weeks, right? Or months. And my sense of timing is always gone. Um, where you get this picture of these believers not just being believers on their own, but when someone decides to give their life to Jesus, they're brought into a family. And you see that they, there's these little families that are meeting in homes throughout the city, right? Even in the New Testament, he says, to the church that meets in so-and-so's house, to the church that meets in so-and-so's house, to the church that meets in the Decrider house, right? To the church that meets in the Kuman house, to the church that meets, all, all these, to the church that meets here and here. But it's, they are empowered to be the church in the home and be family together, where you get this picture of these people that are, everyone is contributing. Everyone has gifts that they're using. They're coming to pour themselves out upon the Lord and one another. They're, they're making sure everyone had, had what they needed. No one had lack. They were bearing with one another. They're forgiving with one another. They're showing grace to one another. Even when people are annoying and obnoxious, they continue to bear with each other and forgive and be patient with each other. They continue to be able to share their junk and be received. They continue to hear the junk of others and remind them of the forgiveness of God. They're able to call out the lies that, they, that they're seeing in each other or the lies that other people seem to be, be believing and reminding them of the truth of the gospel and their identity in Christ. They're spurring one another on to obeying the word. They're spurring one another on to greater accountability and maturity as the family of God. They're spurring one another on to go forth and go out and share the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize people, to help start other spiritual families and teach people to be family together. They're teaching people what it means to be family and empowering them, but it's not just these individual little spiritual families in these homes, but they're connected and through relationship with one another as part of the church of an area or a city, an extended spiritual family together. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our day today. But I think in order for that to take place, it's going to come against some of the traditions that we hold dear to and saying how we do those particular things is a variety of ways. It is so vast and huge how the Lord might want to accomplish those things. And I think sometimes what it does, it comes against the things that we hold dear, our own personal preferences and our own traditions that say it has to happen just like this. And the Lord's saying, my spirit is so creative and my people are so creative of the spirit that's in them. There may be a variety of ways that the Lord wants to accomplish these particular things. See, I think one of the things that we've, we've done is we've narrowed down what it means to be the family, that means to be the church, where we said as long as we have, we get together and as long as there's teaching and worship, which again I think are very important and very valuable, then we're good. But I think sometimes we've elevated those two to, to how that happens and, and then we disqualify all the other commands of God, these other commands of God of loving one another, of bearing with one another, right? Of everyone participating and contributing. And I think sometimes we fail to recognize that while we are doing some things really well, when we gather together of praising God, of, of digging into the word together, praise God for that, that the Lord has more for us than that. We've been telling you for years that when we gather together as a church, it's not supposed to be a passive thing, but an active thing. And the reality is, 
is there are limitations in this kind of setting to obey all the commands of Christ. I think one of the things we've realized is we've made church an event that we come to. And God is inviting us to understand that the church is a family that is on mission together, living life together, caring for one another, and sharing the gospel with others and inviting others in. That the church is things that not just happen in this building, but most of the life of the church actually happens outside of these walls. I'm not dogging or downplaying the things that take place when we happen here. And I'm going to get into what those are. And they're fantastic. But it's interesting, the thing that we've realized is that very little of what it means to be family together can actually take place in here in an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. But you know what's wild? That still gets the greatest attention in the life of the church here in Moran Park. I think it should get attention. I think it needs attention. What I think also needs attention is greater empowering and equipping you to be the church outside of these walls. For you how to bear with each other, you how to learn how to forgive each other, you learn how to work through their garbage with the person that's offended you, you learn how to get in the word and obey it, you learn how to teach it to others, you how to share the gospel and go forth. And as you share the gospel, you learn how to baptize them, not bring them here so that I can baptize them. I don't want to baptize the people you lead to the Lord. I want you to baptize the people you lead to the Lord. I don't want you to bring people here that you lead to the Lord so that I can teach them. I want you to go teach them and disciple them. I want you to teach them how to be family. I want you to teach them what it means to obey the God, the, uh, their God. I want you to make them disciples and teach them to be family with one another. We are moving from being centralized where things happen here as the hub to now going forth and being decentralized where you are empowered by the power and the guidance and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to go forth and do what the Bible says. I know we've been talking about this. Like, okay, Brittany, you've been talking about this. You've been talking about this for years. Yes, I know. But I believe now God is starting to give clarity on what does this mean? There's still a lot of things that are unclear. That's just the way it is. Because the Lord leaves us step by step by step by step, right? Like, we've been saying for, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how long we've been saying this. Like, we believe in an all play, the priesthood of all believers. But the thing I've realized is we continue to be organized and structured in a way that continues to say the staff is more important and the staff is going to do the work for you. So here's one of the biggest changes coming up. I say coming up, it's, it's actually happening already. Is that we've realized we need to change some things how we do things in order to create more space for you to be freed and empowered to do what God's put in your heart. Because what is happening, I said this a couple weeks ago, right? When, when, when everything is centralized and everything's owned by the institution or the staff, right? Then you hire the staff that's most qualified to do it and then you create this standard by which no one can live up to so we don't do it because, well, they're better at it than me and that's what we pay them for, so let's go do that. And actually what the Lord is asking us to do is to transition from being so staff-heavy and staff-centralized to being more empowering of you being the church. So the practical ways, I mean, there'll be more of this, I'm sure, as the Lord leads, but right now that means we have two staff people that are transitioning from being on staff at Moran to simply being just like you, uh, a person in the body of Christ that's going to serve this body because they're a part of it, not because they're getting paid to do it. One of those people is Stacy Wikes, our director of discipleship and prayer. She is, um, she's actually in the process of stepping down her hours and responsibilities as she trains to be a real estate agent. 
Because she wants to say, I want to create more space and more room for others to use their gifts and to step in where we're not so dependent on staff people to do particular things. Where she wants to still use her gifts of, of prayer and prophecy and other things as part of the body of Christ. But a lot of that may not even happen here on a Sunday morning. Some of that may be in your home or maybe with a group of people here, a group of people there, right? It, it's going to take place outside of these walls at times. But part of the first step she feels like the Lord's calling her to is the transition from me on staff. And this is like a, it's a tough thing for her. She's been here for, on staff for 10 years. And she came to me a couple months ago. She's like, I feel like God's coming to be a real estate agent. Okay, right? <laughs> the other person that's transitioning off of staff, again, not to not be involved, to continue to be involved, but continue to create more space for others, is our worship pastor, Daniel Branch. Right? For, he, he says to me this the other day, he goes, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. For five years, and he's been talking to me literally for five years about this, and he's been on staff for seven years. Five of those years, he's been like, oh, I just want to be in the marketplace. I just want to be around people that don't know the Lord. I, I want to rub shoulders with people that are so different than me and far from God so I can be a part of sharing the gospel and, and making disciples in that kind of setting. And in light of what God's doing here and shaping here, he's saying, I feel like God's saying it's time for me to transition. And over the next number of months, he too is going to transition off of being staff. But that does not mean he's being transitioning from being active. He's going to continue to be a part of worship leading, but he's creating more space to raise up others, like we saw with Zach and others this morning, to lead worship as well. We don't want the professionals to do all the work. We want to create more space for others to be able to step in and do God's put on their heart. Make sense? I know that's kind of a, a little bit of a bomb. I think other staff things we're, we're evaluating and what, what, does God mean, what does God want to do with those and we don't have clarity on those. These are the two that God has clarity on. But the cool thing is, is like, I know some of you are like, if you've been around the church for a while, you're like, okay, Britton, you're probably spinning this. This is the way to get rid of them and you're just spinning in a positive light. <laughs> Ask them. Ask them. They'll tell you the story. And in fact, they did it. We started just doing this little podcast thing. It's on the Moran Park. Uh, I'm like not a tech guy at all. Wherever you get the Marion Park teachings in that podcast, that comes out usually on Monday. On like Wednesday or Thursday, we've been putting out these, just the past couple weeks, these podcasts. And, it, and all it is is like further conversation, storytelling about what God's doing more behind the scenes. And this one that's going to come out this week is actually Daniel and Stacy sharing their story about what God's been doing and leading them up to this point. So don't hear it from me. Go listen to that or go talk to her. Go talk to Daniel. Daniel's ticked he could even be here. Well, not that ticked. He's on vacation. But he was like, He's like, I, I want to be there to show him. Like, this is, I'm excited about what God's doing, the possibilities he's opening up. That's one, one change that we want to step into. Actually putting our money where our mouth is. I think the other thing is, you know, with that, with the staff, so many staff resources and hours and time going to help forming this service here on a Sunday morning. And we're realizing, man, if so much of the life of the church happens outside of this time, we want to continue to um, empower you and encourage you to be a part of spiritual family. And I know when I use that term spiritual family, you, you think about all kinds of things. And I think in the past, we've too narrowly defined that. We've used the term house church in the past, which I don't think is a terrible term, but we've equated that to be a certain way of doing it, a certain thing, and a style. And oh, I don't care how you do it. Some of you would do this in a much more natural and organic way where you, you got this group of people you're reading the word with this week, you got, you're praying over here with this group, you, you got accountability here, you're serving over here, you're being spurred on over here, you're meeting this need over here. It's just much more organic, which is awesome. That's, that's what it means to be family. It doesn't have to be this regular weekly deal if that's not what the Lord has for you. But if you're like me, 
You just need some structure and you need the predictability and the accountability of some kind of regular meeting together with the same group of people. And if you are being stirred in that direction, you're like, I, I want to be part of a spiritual family, but I don't know how, I don't, I don't know what steps to take. In the next number of weeks, we're going uh, to make available to you an orientation event where we're going to train you and teach you the first steps of what it means to be part of a spiritual family. And I know you start thinking, well, this is Miss Moran Park's version of a small group or this, and small groups are fine. And maybe, maybe you've been a part of a small group that's actually family together. Uh, I don't care what you call it. You can call it a group. So I don't, I don't care what you call this stuff. I do not care. What I care is that you're family. That you understand that most of the life of the church does not happen in this place at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Most of the life of the church happens not even in an event with this group of a small, more intimate spiritual family one time a week. But it's that organized time, yes, of being together on a regular basis where you're using your gifts, where you're encouraging each other, you're getting in the word, you're worshiping together, you're celebrating communion together, you're building each other up, you're correcting each other, you're confessing, all those things. But what we're inviting you to is not an event, we're inviting you into a lifestyle where you have a group of people that you're checking in with, that, that are with each other, living life together throughout the week together. I've been really intentional about not mentioning this type of thing for the past number of weeks because my goal is to not sell you on anything. Because what we're inviting you to is no joke. The bar's high, but I think what, what we get is way, is, is incredible what we get out of it. And I think not only what we get out of it, I think we get to live in a way that reflects God's heart for us as family that actually grows in maturity because it's a venue in a way that you actually get to participate rather than just sit passively by. And I don't even blame you for you. That's part of the system. That's part of the, um, the, the way we've structured it, right? It's like the way we've structured it is a particular way that you come and receive. That's not, that's not on you. I think God's inviting us to say we, we want to rethink things where you can actually participate and, and, and not just sit and receive. Okay, thirdly, I think the third thing that we're going to see shift, that is shifting, is um, we're trying to get creative, not for creativity's sake, but just led by the Lord. We're trying to get creative and mindful on um, how do we be more purposeful with these large gatherings? How do we be more purposeful with this? Like, if you think about this like an extended family reunion, extended family time, right? We're meeting, we're doing all these things with our intimate family over here, but when we get together, there's, there's benefit, there's joy in being with a broader group of people. It's exciting, it's fun. You get to connect with a broader group of people. And it's awesome, and we want to we keep doing that. But the thing we're wrestling through is like, okay, have we limited the reasons why we may gather? Like, think about it even in a natural family. There's a lot of reasons why you get together with an extended family for a vacation, for a birthday celebration, for a funeral, for all sorts of things. And there's a lot of reasons that we see in the word of why broader groups of believers, the family of God, would gather together. And I think sometimes we've just narrowed it down based on a tradition that is just like you get together to worship and pray, a little prayer and a message, and we, and we go home, maybe a little connection. And those are fine. Those are good. But we're saying, what if we shared the load, where instead of a few people deciding what it looks like every Sunday, we have you all, different teams of you all, to help set uh, and talk about and, and uh, facilitate what our times together may look like. Under the direction of the elders and such, but 
It's not like a free-for-all. There should be leadership. There's going to be guidance. But what if we really honed in and focused on other parts of what it means to be the family of God together? So what if like one week we get together and we're going to focus on prayer? I mean, in fact, that's what we did... um, we did like at the beginning of January, right? We got together. It was, it was about prayer. We're going to get after it in prayer, directed in prayer. What if occasionally we get together and it's about like a celebration like you guys did two weeks ago? Testimony, worship, communion, what's God doing, right? Um, there's all sorts of other ideas and things like what might the Lord want us to do to focus on? And I'll tell you, if, if you're stuck in a tradition that says church is only when there is, you know, three plus songs and a 30 minute plus uh, teaching, then that's, that's church, and if it doesn't happen, that's not church. I, I'm going to tell you, it's going to probably rub you a little bit. But when we understand, there are a lot of different ways to accomplish the commands of God. And not all the things of the commands of God are going to be accomplished in this time and in this space, but some will happen here, and some will happen outside of here. I think it frees us up to really listen and explore with the Lord what might it look like. As those continue to be developed and planned, I'll I'll just be honest with you, I'll I'll keep you posted. But I want to be up front with you because this is a journey that the Lord's had us on for years. And some of you are new to Moran. Some of you are checking us out from other churches you've come from and you're bopping around here and there. Praise God. But if you're looking for a different version of a traditional church, you're not going to find it here. And I'm not talking to traditional church. I feel like the Lord's inviting us into a new way of obeying the commands of Christ that allows more of us to participate, that allows more of us to, to, us to grow together in greater maturity. That's not dependent upon paying staff. That's not dependent upon a few group of few people. That's less centralized, where everything needs to be controlled by a few group of people and everything needs to run through the organization, right? To be more decentralized, more empowering, where you are more freed up with one another to listen and obey the Lord and do the things that he's put on your heart. What might it look like? And here's the thing I know that's challenging because typically what we've conditioned you for is saying, okay, we're gonna do this and here's the product and we're gonna give it to you and I'll sign up for it. What we're inviting you into is actually being part of the building. We're inviting you to say, come with us. What's, come help shape what it looks like. Come help as, you, as you're being family together and you see this need, how might the Lord want to use you to help meet that need? Or how, how might you want to gather others to help meet that particular need? Right? I, I was talking to someone the other day. They're like, yeah, man, we're, 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 we're studying the word. They're in a the little, little spiritual family. They're, they're going through Romans. They're saying, it's been great going through Romans, but we find these questions of Romans coming up. Like, what do we do about that? How do we have someone help teach us some of the things? And we started exploring together based on the need as they did it, going, hey, what would it look like to, to have someone come in and teach you the overview of Romans or answer your questions on Romans? Where it's empowering more people to say there's a lot more creative ways that we can tackle and address the the issues that rise up and the things what it means to be the church together that are outside of our traditional understanding what it means to be the church. But we're inviting you to come and be a part of it. We're inviting you to help build it. Actually, with less staff, we need you to help build it, right? I know there's a variety of responses. If you're like me, you, you, you fluctuate between like super excited and super freaked out. I know I can put on a front, like, yeah, I'm really excited. And some days I really am. And other days I'm like, God, if you don't build this thing, this is going to be a hot mess. But I'd rather be a part of a hot mess that the Lord is orchestrating than trying to control what I'm comfortable with based on my own traditions.
I know over the next, I don't know, next week we'll see what the Lord has in store for us, but my encouragement to you as it always is, as things sink in, as you have questions, just ask them. Just ask them. Odds are we haven't thought about it. And even if we have, maybe we can give you some greater understanding or you can help us grow in understanding. We continue to share things as the Lord reveals them, but there's a lot that's not yet known, and that's just often the way the Lord does it so that we don't try to build things in our own strength, our own power, our own wisdom, on our own gifts, but instead that we trust the Lord for each step along the way and that we walk with him in the process. But I think there's been exciting times in the past, and Jim mentioned this last week. I was so grateful. And then the history of Moran, it's been awesome. It's been incredible what God's done. But I think the Lord is, in fact, I agree with what Jim said last week, I believe the Lord is doing a new thing. New thing doesn't mean better thing. New thing just means different thing. And a different way to accomplish what it means to be the church. And I don't think it's far-fetched to dream of the day when we are deployed as the people of God that go forth in every aspect and nook and cranny and city block in our city and we are professing the gospel and we are equipped to go make disciples and we are equipped to train them what it means to be the family of God together and that we are living in such a way in our neighborhoods that display the heart, the character of God and a compelling vision for what it means to be the family of God where we see a revival take place in this city and that people are actually brought into the family of God of lasting transformation that go forth as agents of the gospel and we're inviting you to be part of it. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for the work that you're doing. We thank you for the, the, the faithfulness in which you've led us, God. And we, we know that, um, God, uh, it's, a, it's a wild ride with you. It's just wild. And so we, we recognize our need to continue to relinquish control and grow in faith and understanding with you. So God, I pray that, um, that those that are, that are listening to the words I'm speaking, that they would not take them even at face value, God, that they would not go, oh, that's nice, or just believe them because I said so, but that they would take it to you. God, that they would take it to you this week and say, is this true? God, what do you have for me in this? That you would speak to each one of us, God, that you would make your plans clear. And God, I know it's like, it's like, because you've gifted us all differently. It's just it's a picture, right, of like you're going to give some insight to this person. This is how to build this over here to this person. How to build this to this person. And they're going to do this. And collectively, God, we are going to continue to see your church, your family be, uh, be built up in a way that empowers us more, God, to live into what you want us to be. So God, would you take the things that I've said that, that again, are you, would you solidify those things? The things that you're like, nah, that's not important. Would you cause us to fall away? Would you continue to give us a heart to say, we, you, Jesus, are worth it and we want whatever you want. God, would you give us the grace to see your, your worth, your value, and your glory. Say, I'm willing to put aside my own personal preferences and my traditions for the sake of what you want. And if they line up with those things, great. And if not, great. We want what you want, God. And God, we pray for the work that you're going to do in this area, with the work that you're going to do in West Michigan, God, that you are going to raise up a, a, a church, God, in great maturity of people deployed to go out and reap a harvest, God. We pray that your spirit would empower us to do that work that you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.